Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, and welcome to season two of the Homestead Education. Episode one is going to be talking all about obtaining the freedoms of self-sufficiency. So who else has had an incredibly long summer? I know I have. Between finishing up my second homeschool curriculum, fair with my kids, trying to make some time for a little bit of summer fun, like swimming and huckleberry picking. But I'm back and I'm excited to announce that pre-orders are now available on Introduction to Homestead Science. This is a full year science curriculum for middle and high school students. It's an approximately 400 page science text with a 200 page workbook with a test and answer book. This curriculum has 18 two week units that will cover many aspects of homesteading, including land, engines, animals, gardening, crops, food sciences, hunting, foraging, and homestead management. This beautiful full-color text is a one-of-a-kind new take on teaching homesteading, agriculture, and home sciences. The curriculum will be released September 1st, and pre-orders are now available for both digital and the print versions. In fact, you can get 5% off with code PREORDER5, and be sure to see the link in the show notes for more information. My topic for Season 2 I have planned for months. I had decided to cover many aspects of continuing to homestead and homeschool after the pandemic, how to afford it, embrace it, and expand on it. Then the announcement of a nationwide recession was made, and it made me realize how much more these endeavors are not just desired, but required. The freedoms of self-sufficiency are how we ensure a thriving future. I plan to have some amazing guests chat with us about finances, simple living, growing your own food, and preserving this lifestyle for future generations. So this last week for me has been an exhausting, a beautiful and exciting experience. Last week was our county fair full of livestock shows, auctions, watermelon eating contests and delicious food. Our fair up here in North Idaho is different than any other fair I've been a part of in my many years involved in 4-H. Our fair could literally be taken off of a page in Charlotte's web and I don't know that anyone would have it any other way. We have zucchini races, local bands, local ladies jams with blue ribbons, and no carnival or fair food. Only local restaurant owners and their food trucks. Our grandstands were completely full with standing room only, watching the community's children compete in gunny sack races, tug of war, and horse events. But the focus of this fair is hands down the youth livestock exhibits and projects. These kids work so hard all year raising quality meat and training breeding stock. They learn sciences, arts, and cooking, along with record-keeping and public speaking. I am a 4-H leader for multiple groups of kids, and nothing is better than the smiles on their faces and the pride they feel after each show, accumulating to a long week ending with the youth livestock auction. Our community comes out for these kids at the auction like no other, making them feel like they are a part of something bigger. I'd wanted to bring on a guest this week to talk about 4-H, but I'll tell you what, fair is way too exhausting of a week to attempt to accomplish anything but celebrating the kids' efforts. So you get to talk to me about this amazing program. I am a 30-year 4-H veteran. During my tenure as a member, 
I raised rabbits, swine, and a lamb one time, as well as shooting sports. I was a junior leader for my swine group and taught shooting both in my club and at my 4-H camp where I was a counselor. I was a livestock judge, participated in High 4-H and the National 4-H Exchange Program, as well as statewide public speaking competitions. This last part was actually really huge for me because I was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome when I was eight. If you're unfamiliar with Tourette's, it's a neurological disorder that causes me to have severe, uncontrollable facial twitches and noises in my throat, especially when I'm nervous. Try calming those nerves down. This is the story I tell my 4-H kids when they're scared to give a presentation or a talk to a judge. So for those of you that might be unfamiliar with 4-H, it's a nationwide program ran at the state level through land-grant colleges for youth education of various sciences and life skills. It is most popularly known for the livestock projects, but that's just a piece of what 4-H offers. In some states, it's even part of the public education system. There are even programs for children as young as five years old. In addition to livestock projects, my kids have taken veterinary science, hiking, rifle, photography, and cake decorating. There are 4-H curriculums that can be purchased that we have used in our homeschool as well. I'm a huge supporter of this program and it is something and if it's something that you believe your child would also benefit from, please contact your local extension office for more information. In fact, I'll add a link on how to find that extension office in the show notes. <clears throat> so, like my usual MO, I'm sure you're wondering how this applies to my subject of freedom and self-sufficiency. Because having kids in 4-H adds extra time slots in your planner and often a financial requirement. However, it needs to be viewed as an investment in your future. Even if you don't have kids, can you donate to this program, buy an animal at the livestock auction, purchase farm projects, farm products from a 4-H member, or can you volunteer your time or expertise? Much like my homeschool curriculum, if you can have your kids invested in homesteading, they will help. They will work, research, and want to be a part of the conversation. I can talk about how this helps the kids all I want, but I'd love for you to hear it from my kids and form your own opinions. Here with me today, I have my 13-year-old twins, Savannah and Wyatt. Hi, I'm Savannah. Hi, I'm Wyatt. All right, Savannah, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, about myself? Uh, hi. <laughs> so, as my mom said... 13, I homeschooled and... What do you like to do? Um, I like playing softball and um, doing horse riding lessons. Um, I really like doing drawing and stuff and everything that related. Anything and everything. Alright, Wyatt, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm 13 years old and I've been doing six years of 4-H. I am a homeschooler. Um, my favorite sport is baseball. I really like doing everything. Um, I really love having cows and pigs for 4-H and doing hiking for the 4-H community. So Savannah, how many years have you done 4-H? I've been doing 4-H for six years now. What projects have you completed? Um, kick decorating, vet science, doing like poultry and stuff, and uh, market pigs. 
You did a lot with poultry. What are some of the things you did with that? Um, I showed my hen. I put some birds in open class and some quail, and I did some market um, birds, too. You do a lot with birds at home. Uh, what type of projects have you worked on at home with your birds? Um, cleaning up the coop. Um, we incubate um, chicken eggs and quail eggs. And I do most of that. Um, I get a little bit of help with checking the stuff with the incubator, but other than that, I'm the one who watches them, pulls the chicks once they hatch, um, and feed and water them every day when they're um, still down in our bird room. So Wyatt, how many years have you done 4-H? I've been doing six years in 4-H. What projects have you completed? I've completed... Hiking, photography, swine, and cattle. Dairy. Dairy cattle. Did you also do goats one year? Yes, I did do goats. I did really good in goats, but they just weren't really all that fun. It's okay to try things and decide that they're not for you. Goats are just too stubborn. (laughs) Very. But adorable. So, what are your responsibilities at home with these animals? Um, I have to feed them in the morning and night, and I help move the pigs and help deal with injured animals, and, um, and help, like, help the moms give birth if they're having troubles, and give shots to the pigs, and, um, yeah. I have to say, as a busy mom, I love that I can send my teenagers up to the barn to handle advanced things with our animals. All right. So how do you feel 4-H has affected you at home and in school? Um, well, we've definitely been able to learn a lot of new things. And with doing homeschool and stuff, we have been able to do stuff that we involve that can be involved and help us when it comes time to get ready for 4-H again. What about you, Wyatt? Um, I think around the house it really helped us deal with problem solving and dealing with our projects a bit better. In, in school, we 4-H helped us keep records and planning just like you would in school. That's awesome. Do you feel like 4-H has impacted your life goals, Savannah? What has impacted me? Affected. Oh. Um, well, I've always wanted to be a vet, like, for years now, and I was able to take vet science class, um, like, projects and stuff in 4-H. So I've been able to learn a lot of new things there, and... I've also been able to do like other activities like cake decorating and stuff, which I didn't enjoy as much as vet science. It's not something that I'm really like passionate about, but it does help me. Cake decorating helped me with learning how to do different things to where I enjoy making um, cakes for me and my family. That's an awesome life skill to be able to learn some extra cooking and things like that and some side projects. Uh, why is 
I, you probably hear me pause a lot and before I say his name, because I want to call him by his nickname Wise, but I'd like to respect him and call him Wyatt during the podcast. It's all right. My mom can call you, call me Wise all the time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, how do you feel like it's impacted your life goals? Uh, it really helped me show more confidence in what I really want to do. Like, my first year in having a dairy cattle forage, I really enjoyed showing my cow and it really helped me boost my confidence for the next year and this year I was getting ready for my show got kicked and I was really I don't know how to say like down dumps after and really just talking about it boost my confidence up about how well I've done with my cow and just so you've done a lot with your dairy calf you want to tell us a little bit about her yeah she um she was born on our property her mom was in the pen she is in right now I go to feed about an hour after I'm supposed to because I overslept (laughs) and there's a fresh calf right there in the pen and I go down to my parents and we deal with her. She was a three month old calf when she went to fair for the very first time so she was like a little calf and saw all the like steers and horses and all these other animals and she was just yeah. So how many years have you shown her now? I've shown her for two years now. Who trained her? I did. You did all of her training? Well, yeah. Is this the first calf that you've trained? No, I've, I had two others. So how, Savannah, how does 4-H make you feel about your community? Um, I just really like how everybody, um, Helps out with all of us kids who like to do 4-H and how um, all the parents volunteer to help with shows and moving animals and how the judges will come and take their time to judge us and teach us how we can do better and stuff for um, other years. How does that make you feel, Wise? Um... I really think the community really like loves 4-H to help the 4-H kids and all the um, people that help make the fair happen in future years and when auction comes around for the other animals it makes they're really generous to the 4-H kids. What does that make you want to do for your community? Um, just help people more around in our, like, community that we have, and I also really want to just help other people. So, Savannah, would you recommend 4-H to other kids? Yes, because, I mean, it's just really fun things to do, and, I mean, I babysit for this family, and I found out that one of their kids was doing 4-H, and... 
I told him about all the other things he could do, and he seemed really interested in it, and he was going to look into it and see what else other things he could do for next year. Awesome. Wise, would you recommend it? Yes, I would. Um, it also depends on the um, kid I recommend it to. Like, if they're not into animals, I would suggest doing, like, hiking or cake decorating or photography. But they really want to do animal it's just for their, like, first years and then, like, a goat or a lamb or something. Some smaller livestock, a little bit more manageable. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good advice. Um, so Savannah, do you feel like homesteading and self-sufficiency are important? Yes. <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, how to word it. Um. Well, what do you think the benefits of our homestead have been? Um, I really liked it ever since we, um, started our own homestead and stuff. It's just been, like, we've learned new things every day and... What does self-sufficiency mean to you? Being able to, like, know how to handle something and being able to do it yourself without having to relearn it multiple times. So, Kate, or Wise, <laughs> do you feel like homesteading and self-sufficiency are important? Um, yes, especially in the world that's been going on right now, like COVID, and with COVID, all the um, prices have just skyrocketed, so, like, being able to grow your own vegetables, deal with your own animals, and just being able to live off the land would be really helpful for some families. Awesome. Is there anything else either of you want to add? Um, my future life goal is to become a professional baseball player. To In a couple of years, I really want to do steer for 4-H. All right. Savannah, is there anything else you want to add? With supporting your... Um, like the local like fair and like 4-H people who do 4-H and stuff around where you live just going to the fair and showing your support for the kids um there will help just a lot too it really boosts their confidence and makes them feel super great about what they're doing all right well thank you guys i'm so glad that you could take a few minutes out of your evening chores to chat with me and i really hope that this helps other families decided what they want to do with 4-H and understand how important it is to everyday folks like us. Well, that was super fun. I kind of put them on the spot, so I think they did a really great job. And I'm excited for some projects I'm going to have them involved in in the future. So I'd like to move on to some tips that I hold on to when I'm focusing on cost cutting and self-sufficiency. It's really a mindset over hard skills, although hard skills help. The first thing is embracing a simpler life. Do you remember when COVID lockdowns first happened? When you had nothing to do and began embracing new hobbies? That was actually a really exciting time for me. I felt like I'd been given the gifted time because as a busy mom and an entre entrepreneur, there is never enough time for anything. So sometimes when I need a reset, I remember those days and set myself up for the gift of time. First, I'll often take a Sunday and do food prep. Pre-made breakfasts, lunch, and dinners by hours in my day, and only take a short amount of time on Sunday if I multitask. They also reduce, reduce trips to the grocery store. We live 45 minutes away from the closest store, so I'm looking at a minimum of two hours if I don't have milk. Although, even if you live right next to the store or have to pass it every day on your way home from work, how much money are you going to waste on impulse buys, a drink for the drive home, or a snack? Next, I make a list. 
If I know everything that I need to accomplish, I am more likely to not feel stressed out and complete my tasks in a timely manner. This gives me extra time for new endeavors, new hobbies, or simply relaxing. Sometimes I even do a couple lists, one for the day, one for the week, and one for the month, so that I can always visually see what needs to happen. I find that if I'm scattered, it takes way longer. Then I pick a new everyday item that can be made each week or each month, whichever feels the most comfortable or attainable. Sometimes with these projects, there's small upfront costs, but usually save a ton of money in the long run. The key to switching to a more self-sufficient life is changing one item at a time so that it can become part of your everyday life before the next one is added. Also, some things still require supply purchases until you can work more habits into your life. An example is making broth. Each week, you can cook a chicken and then use the carcass and scrap veggies to make broth. The chicken's meat can be used for a variety of purposes and isn't just baked chicken for dinner every week. The meat can be used for tacos, soups, chicken salad, and so much more. I think I'm going to have to do like a whole podcast just on everything you can do with chicken or any of the meats because I feel like a lot of people just you buy like a whole chicken and you do a baked chicken with it. You buy chicken breast and you use that for, you know, a some sort of like baked dish and then like it's just you feel like you have to use certain parts for certain things and you can really take a whole chicken and do several different things with it and I think it's really important to like break the mindset of the supply chain chicken versus a homestead chicken and everything that can happen with it but anyways then if you make broth one time a week you can easily have a gallon of broth And it's so easy to accomplish. I'm often doing it while I'm doing other things. And my family benefits all week. Well, technically, this broth is free because it's made out of the throwaway items. The part where I have to rely on the supply chain is I have not mastered 52 meat chickens every year that are ready to go at the appropriate age. And if I butchered a laying hen every week, I'd run out of chickens really fast. So if I don't have chickens in the freezer, I buy them on sale from the grocery store. Although I will freeze carcasses at butcher time. So when we do butcher a bunch of chickens at once, if we breast them out and stuff, I just put the carcasses in like a produce bag and freeze them. And when I'm ready to make broth, I just thaw one out, roast it, like put the same seasonings on it if I was going to roast a chicken, like a whole chicken, and use that for my broth. So see the show notes for my broth recipe. Another one I like is making my own soaps and cleaners. There's so many recipes out there and it really just depends on your own wants. Are you trying to save money, not use store-bought products, have sensitive skin? So I'm hoping to have a soap maker on the show this season, so I'm not going to elaborate too much, especially because I haven't done any hand creams or soaps, but I do have a couple of videos on my YouTube on making laundry soaps. Just remember what so many are saying right now. Embracing our past is not a step backwards. It's actually a step forward. So the next mantra that must be followed is not giving up. Homesteading is hard. It's dirty and backbreaking. But every result is so worth it. Every mistake teaches you how to reach your next result. However, there is a difference between giving up and changing. 
We change what we do all the time. Sometimes changing is because we learn something new, or there's a market for something that can make us some money or something we can get cheaper. It's okay to make those changes, but don't give up just because it's hard or you made a mistake. Next thing you have to remember is you don't have to strike it rich overnight. And honestly, you're not going to. Not in homesteading. This point on money is, yeah, you're not going to become a millionaire from your tomatoes or a rich cattle baron because you raised this here for your freezer. Although, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, what you can do is build over time to reach a place where you can afford to work part-time while you homeschool or replace the cost of items over time until you can afford larger purchases like a beef steer. For example, we use about a quart of grape jelly every couple of weeks. It takes three and a half pounds of grapes to make one quart. That works out to just a couple of five gallon buckets full of grapes and I already have jars. If you or someone you know has grapes, you know that you can fill a five gallon bucket in no time flat. This can work out to $150 a year of savings. For us, if I make six, change, six changes like this using products from my garden or that I have traded for, this is enough money to buy a steer or replacement heifer for us each year. Or because we already own or breed these animals ourselves, those changes pay for the hay that we need for them over the winter. If I double my efforts the next year, I essentially end up with a 500 pounds of free meat. Now, putting that into perspective, doesn't, doesn't it make it easier to see how making these small changes make big impacts? Now, in some situations, an extra year of cost cutting is needed to afford fencing or other supplies, but these changes add up fast. I want to talk about some tips to homestead and homeschool frugally. These are really important topics when you're getting started. The sticker shock of getting started with homeschooling and homesteading can really deter people. Everyone who's getting started always looks up the price of a brand new curriculum or automatic feeders and says, there's no way we can do this. But oh, yes, you can. Always, always, always a yard sale. Check Facebook or Craigslist before purchasing anything. Another option is just put up a post on Facebook or ask friends for items. You would be surprised how many items people have laying around that they no longer want that are either going to be free or very low cost to you. Many of our homestead and homestead, ugh, homestead and homeschool items come from this option. If you can, when a friend says, sure, I have an old chicken feeder we aren't using anymore, come grab it. Take them a jar of jam and then they'll remember next time you need something. Also, when getting started with homeschooling, I often suggest investing in a good printer and downloading a free or low cost curriculum. You can find options for all grades, even older kids on sites like the good and the beautiful or teachers, TP, teachers pay teachers. I have linked my favorite printer in the show notes. It's an Epson ink tank. It's under $300 and I use less than $40 in ink a year while often printing a large textbook for each subject for my four older kids. It ends up saving me hundreds of dollars. Then I either bind them or throw them in a yard sale binder. And honestly, my kids get excited when I find a good deal at yard sales and will help me clean up the items. If you want more cost saving tips, check out my previous episode called Homemade Cost Cutting. This episode has blown up being my most popular episode to date. I will continue to add more tips, budget sheet downloads, and links to help you as we navigate through another national economic setback. Did you know that I offer coaching and household management consulting? 
Follow the link in the show notes to see if a two-hour consultation call is right for you. The call includes brainstorming and strategizing, a follow-up written plan with resources and links, and a one-month accountability email, plus a free month membership to the Homestead Business Membership launching in the fall. I'm currently lining up guests for this and next season. If you have a topic that you would love covered, email me at hello at thehomesteadeducation.com. Or if you would like to be a guest this season or in the future, reach out as well. I'm looking forward to having some chats with you. This episode of the Homestead Education is brought to you by Layman's Hardware, your one-stop homesteading supply store that ships all over the United States. If you follow the link in the show notes and use code TAKE20, that's T-A-K-E-2-0, you can get $20 off any purchase of $150 or more. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at The Homestead Education and Instagram at homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at thehomesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing!